0: Hey everybody, it's Hollywood Steve with the first uh, re-pilot episode (laughs) of Legacy of Brutality, a history of horror podcast, and I am here with my brand new co-host, Anna Martin.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, we'll wait for him to answer. Okay, yeah. Everybody's doing good, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is like an interactive podcast Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll leave a pause there for everyone to answer. <laughs> so, this is the first episode um, of the, the new revamped show, and we are here today to talk about John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy. We're going to get into the history of you know, where where these um, themes and things come from in, in his life, uh, why he, he's interested in these things, and we're also going to talk about just, you know, some of how those things developed in these three movies. Now, if you don't know, the Apocalypse Trilogy is John Carpenter's Three, uh, unofficially connected uh, by the theme of Apocalypse Movies. The Thing, Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. Now, these movies are not necessarily a trilogy, like in in the sense that they have any connective material, narrative, or characters. Yeah. Yeah, none of that. It's all thematically connected. So, the theme being Apocalypse. So, I think it's important to know that John Carpenter, as a little bitty young boy... Uh, Growing up in New York, his father, who was a professor of music, got a job at Bowling Green in Western Kentucky, which took the family from New York down to to Bowling Green, where John Carpenter was uh, at school, and uh, from first through the third grade, they read them the Bible. Every day,
1: okay. Yeah, this is, this
0: the-, is the South in the fifties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: that tracks.
0: Yeah, so uh, we're in Western Kentucky in the fifties, and I looked into it. And Western Kentucky, um, surprisingly, a lot of Catholics in Western Kentucky, oh, but okay. um, not to the point that uh, it outweighs the large number of Southern Baptists sure. and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but he he was read the bible from first to third grade in that's, class
1: that's wild like the whole thing
0: yep <laughs> apparently they read the whole thing and in <laughs> third grade there's the,
1: stuff in there that kids should oh for
0: sure right <laughs> like wow <laughs> lots daughters are like we're the last yeah. people i guess we're gonna have to you know yeah rec- uh, procreate with our dad yeah. yeah uh yeah no so uh he says in third grade they got to the Book of Revelation. Uh, in which uh, he, he says he didn't really understand uh-huh. a whole lot was going on, but the imagery is rich, you know, it yes. sticks with you. There's, yes. a, there's a whole lot in there uh, that, that caused him a lot of fear. Uh, and aside from that, uh, this was also the time post World War II, following the end of World War II, which, you know, saw the, the United States drop two atomic bombs. Uh, And afterwards, uh, continual atomic bomb testing, Mm -hmm. while John Carpenter was a a huge fan of the cinema. So he went to go see a lot of his favorite movies, which were 50s sci-fi B-movies, like uh, The Thing from Another World. Mm -hmm. Uh, It Came from Another Planet, one that he, he says was very formative for him. Uh, there, there's there's so many uh, those movies though, like uh, you know them or what or whatever, yeah. that involve nuclear bombs. And so he he uh, you know, growing up in the 50s, got a very healthy fear of mm-hmm. nuclear ap- apocalypse. Uh, and so he grows up with these fears, and when he finally gets to the point after uh, going to USC, and actually, getting to to uh, uh, learn under the tutelage of his his favorite director, Howard Hawks, mm-hmm. who directed The Thing mm-hmm. from Another, Another World, World. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, do, doing work at USC Film School, he eventually uh, directs uh, Dark Star, which he wrote with uh, uh, Alien writer Dan O'Bannon, and you know, uh, goes on to to direct, eventually Halloween, which kind of catapults him into. Uh, position to to eventually you know uh potentially be this huge hollywood director his next big project uh was was gonna be the thing this is universal has signed him on for a a big five picture deal and um he's going into the thing not wanting to do a a you know just full-on uh uh uh,
1: remake remake
0: yes of, of the original because he he likes the novella so he's trying to right. recreate the actual novella and in doing this he's also trying to put it into the political climate of the time because the original thing from another world is very much a product of its its political climate uh and so he He's putting it into the early Reagan years. Uh, We're post-Nixon, post-Ford, post... you know A lot of the, the beginnings of what would become the, the greed is good sort of idea among conservatives. And this Reagan era, uh, as we saw in his escape from New York, he, he saw this potential for uh, apocalypse, yeah. for dystopia, right. for an end. Uh, and so the thing... Uh, takes a lot of those Reagan era, um, you know, fears and things and, and puts them into this small group who are very, you know, uh, uh, they're in this situation where uh, the thing is, of course, uh, set in this very isolated yeah. uh, Antarctic research station. They are
1: confined in this. Right.
0: They're confined by the weather. They're confined by distance. mm -hmm. Um, uh, In in many cases, with some of the characters, like McCready, uh, confined by their own emotional situations and whatnot. Not
1: opening themselves up to each other. Yes.
0: And uh, Carpenter, in his his, um, director's commentary on the Blu ray, with uh, he and Kurt Russell discussing it. They talked about one of the influences was that um, uh, HIV, AIDS, mm. had just kind of been discovered. But they they didn't really know a lot about it. Um, and so the idea that you don't know necessarily who has and anybody could have it. And uh, you're not fully sure even how one gets it. right? But they did know that, that it could be detected through... Blood test. Uh, so you see this play out in the thing where there is all this suspicion as to who could be the thing, who could be infected by this, and of course they use a blood test specifically to test for that. Um, and I think eventually we should probably on this show talk about the effect of AIDS on on horror because yeah. it, it is huge and it's often overlooked how much AIDS affected eighties horror and 90s horror but the, this um you know the the situation that plays out in the thing carpenters the thing is very much an apocalyptic potential we are told by uh the movie that if this thing gets out it'll replicate humanity super quickly the mm-hmm. uh, humanity will be done It'll just be completely replaced by whatever this alien species is. Um, and so the fear here is this entire loss of individuality. Yeah loss no of,
1: more self.
0: No more self. loss of humanity. Um, it, it's interesting that the thing itself when when opened up, you know when we're, uh, we have this great scene where Wilfred Brimley is doing this sort of, uh, I guess, autopsy mm-hmm. on a, a thing, and, and what he discovers is that it's it's just imitations all the way down. Like there's no core. There's mm-hmm. nothing that makes it it.
1: It's there's no like unique qualities right. to it.
0: Right. So. It is not just a loss of the self to something else. It's a loss of the self entirely, because it is nothing.
1: It never had a self.
0: Yeah. So there's this huge fear of this apocalyptic apocalyptic ending for humanity, for the spark that Mm -hmm. is inside of us.
1: By this like cosmic creature that's bigger and older than anything that we could ever... Comprehend. Yes.
0: Yes, and, and uh, yes, and it, that goes back to his love of Lovecraft mm-hmm. and, and of cosmic horror that we will see in all three of, of uh, the Apocalypse trilogy movies. That this idea of something that sees human doesn't see humanity as significant in any way. Mm. Um, that is, I I, I think so it's so hard for humans to imagine it's why cosmic horror is so popular because it does frighten us so much that what if we are insignificant what if we don't matter at all uh so the thing really uh initiates this idea but what kind of happened is that because the thing uh, failed at the box office. It it uh, released a couple weeks after E. T. and uh, just didn't compete mm-hmm. in any real way because a lot of people saw it as maybe uh, mean and 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 hard too to dark. watch and too dark. Yeah. yeah, there's I mean there's obviously like a lot of gore mm-hmm. and scary stuff uh, that is is maybe too much for your mainstream audience. But what that does is it it kind of derails Carpenter's career a little bit. He was set up to direct Firestarter, uh, another Stephen King adaptation. Um, And there were several projects in the potential future, but because of the failure of the thing, he he didn't have as many of those options directly ahead Mm of him. But... It's interesting. It, it, in an interview with Vulture, he he says uh, that he got fascinated with the end of things, and that that fascination carried over. And he told Wall Street Journal that all three of the movies are uh, about the end of things and about the end of everything. So this this movie, even though it, it kind of f- uh, it failed financially, it got him working creatively mm-hmm. in that direction. So um he made a few movies uh b- before he was able to actually get back to this idea of apocalypse but eventually uh 5 years later in 1987 the prince of darkness released which is uh a a you know uh amalgamation of quantum physics and religion yeah uh you know kind
1: of like the the battle between atheism and spiritualism right science and spiritual like yeah Yeah.
0: and we kind of discovered that both are wrong though the the science is right uh because the science that we're introduced to from the beginning is quantum Mm -hmm. physics and what we're told by our professors that we need to throw our are understanding out the mm-hmm. door and the movie then you know verifies that yeah. that is true so the scientists are technically right in that they don't understand the science
1: right but they also can't do anything right to stop it yeah yeah, yeah. So, it, still it, yes. helpless.
0: yes both the religious and and the scientific elements are helpless to stop mm-hmm. this Son of the Anti-God, which is a green goo locked in a jar in the basement of a church in downtown Los Angeles.
1: And I, I just have to say, I love the, like, these are proper horror films oh, absolutely. of, like, how, like, like... Just the visuals and everything, but then they're also about like such deep themes, you know. Like, yeah. just I just love that Satan in this is just like green swirling fluid. Well,
0: it's interesting because uh, on the uh, on the the commentary track, uh, Carpenter says specifically that it's not Satan, okay? Uh, because because as we see in the the movie, the the religion breaks down like. Uh, you know, D- uh, Donald Pleasance tells us that they were wrong. Like they, they right, didn't yeah. understand it. Um, and, and, and yeah, so it's not Satan. It is this anti-God because we find out Jesus Christ is an extra dimensional <laughs> being who came to earth to warn of an anti-God who was coming to, I uh, guess, cause destruction for fun. Whatever he does, that anti-God, he's always up to some, some chicanery. And so this, this plays out in a very similar way to the thing in that people are turned.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and in a similar way to the thing, this also has uh, connections to HIV AIDS with the, the sharing of fluids mm-hmm. being the, the thing that causes the, the not infection possession, uh, you might say, but though it, it feels kind of like an infection, as uh, Calder does seem to try to fight it off.
1: Yeah, in some
0: ways, like but
1: certain characters seem to yeah. have more or less power right. over.
0: But most of the characters are immediately, yeah, <laughs> like succumb just immediately to- succumb to it. Yes. So the Prince of Darkness uh, has that. Uh, you know, you 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 aren't sure you can trust your friend it also has that loss of individuality loss of identity there's a hive mind element throughout with the insect scene being attracted to this place um and and it's it's very interesting that again like uh carpenter is drawing out these themes but in this case in the thing what we had was this this thing that really like it's primary like way of integrating was, was physical. Like it tried to take the physical body of another and, and become it, mm-hmm. uh, in this, it's a, it's a spiritual thing where the humanity, uh, inside the person is washed away by this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, son of anti-God liquid. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's essentially a baptism yeah yeah an anti-baptism mm-hmm. um this this taking away of of the individual spirit so that that persists throughout and the the prince of darkness of course uh didn't do well either <laughs> um it it was a, a universal release as part of his like Five uh, picture deal Mm -hmm. with them but it was actually like produced by Carolco Pictures um, and had a much lower budget but this I mean this obviously carries over a ton of the themes from the thing but introduces a lot of new things that I think are followed up more in the next installment which came eight years later Uh, from new line cinema in the mouth of madness and in the mouth of madness is the story of course uh if you haven't seen in the mouth of madness you need to see in the mouth of madness because this is one of my favorite carpenter movies it's so good but this is the story of a uh an author sutter kane who is writing reality Mm -hmm. um he is hearing the call of the extra dimensional beings who um who are behind it all i guess they're they're behind they're behind the the pages of of truth that is reality that are being written by a man sutter kane who is also part monster himself yeah it's another
1: like kind of like layers again of of this, like, power structure that's all convoluted and...
0: Yes. Yeah. And and it's interesting here because this, unlike the other two, is not set in one specific central location. Mm -hmm. This is kind of all over the place. Uh, And this has our uh, hero, John Trent, our protagonist, John Trent, because... (laughs) Uh, technically, what he does in the the entire movie is not heroic, as he is the deliverer of destruction. Um, but our protagonist, John Trent, played by Sam Neill, is hired by this publishing company because their their famous author, Sutter Kane, has disappeared right before he's supposed to be turning in his final book and his series of books about this. Very messed up New England town. He's a uh, very clearly like a <laughs> Stephen, Stephen King, King analog. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and so uh, John Trent investigates this and uh, discovers uh, that not only uh, you know is uh, Sutter and Kane Sutter Kane done with the book, uh, but the book is his life because he only exists in the book. Um, it's it's so interesting because uh you know we we've had this attack on our physicality we've had this attack on our spirituality and now an absolute attack on our own existence Mm. our reality yeah uh this this apocalypse is um i mean it is it is interesting because what it's saying is that our world our world is a is a book written to end in horrors which is the religious contention Mm -hmm. of, of apocalyptic readings of revelation that, you know, if you, you have an apocalyptic reading of revelation, what you then believe is that the inevitable ending is written in a book, Mm -hmm. like the inevitable ending of all people is right there in the book. So this is in a lot of ways, a reflection then of that idea of revelation. So Sutter Cain is our John on the Isle of Patmos writing to the seven churches. Mm. And I, I I think that the this follows up the religious ideas in The Prince of Darkness, but nullifies any sort of spirituality or religiosity. Like, it, it doesn't even imagine that that's real. It's saying, no, actually, the world is just a, a book written by an insane author. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the horrors of these uh, unknowable forces.
0: Yeah. I think, I think it's also interesting that... Um, Carpenter said in, in an interview that I watched that he sees his movies in two categories. He makes siege movies, and he makes journey films. Okay. Um, and very clearly, The Thing is a siege movie. Mm-hmm. Prince of Darkness... A siege movie. And one would easily say In the Mouth of Madness is a an adventure film. Yeah, right. A journey film, but it's not. There's nowhere to go.
1: Right. It's a journey only in like see, following him around, but it is a siege in yeah. his own mind, in his right. own existence. He can't
0: escape. yeah Yeah. like he he tries to escape delivering the manuscript several times and it's an impossibility as he is being written
1: a pointless trip
0: yeah yeah in fact him him trying to escape is is written itself like he's doing and so it's interesting because what that really addresses is what all three address and that is the concept of free will and Mm -hmm. and whether or not you know uh we have it <laughs> like, what's so
1: interesting too is that like the, the it, it so highlights how terrifying it is to have that taken away right from you
0: it is terrifying to have that taken away from you the the idea that in the thing of course you're being entirely replaced uh but uh, that you know People would see that husk as you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea in the Prince of Darkness that like any striving we've done toward scientific or spiritual endeavors has been entirely useless, and the the end was always inevitable, and it could not be changed. And even when they think they've changed it, at the end it's revealed like the the future. Has uh, has not changed. Like they they changed who comes walking out mm-hmm. of the church, but not the inevitable the fact end that of it. Yeah. Still
1: going to happen, right?
0: So there's no there's no will there yeah. to, to be exercising the same in in the mouth of madness. Yeah, it's constantly proven. There's nothing to do. Any yeah.
1: force that that could do this or would do this is like, for our understanding, evil. Yeah. Like absolutely. But but for for a lot of people they like that they like n- not having to be the one in control right, so interesting okay. that, so you know that yeah. like, that is a comfort to like a lot of people to have the like everything written out mm-hmm. you know that uh, uh you know they they believe a lot of uh in a lot of um I guess benevolence from a force like that, but yeah. like these films clearly show that if that were a reality,
0: yeah, there'd it, be no benevolence right yeah. it,
1: and 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 we wouldn't we we wouldn't exist to be able to even recognize what was being done for us anyway, right. so it's like completely, yeah, it's just a horrifying concept that... I mean,
0: specifically in Prince of Darkness, like, they they spend all that time discussing and, like, trying to figure out or trying to reconcile what's going on. And, like, the reality is that the locks on the tube are on the inside and, like, nothing religious... Like, the the religious institution that's been holding this tube this whole time hasn't been doing anything to hold it at bay they yeah. thought they were but no it was just waiting for its mm-hmm. time to do this that was it like it it's so it's so like pow- like that feeling of powerlessness of like n- there was never anything to do uh, it is is honestly in all three of these films that powerlessness at the end of the thing with McCready sitting there not knowing you know exactly if one or both of them is the thing Mm -hmm. or if neither is the thing and if that even matters but also like there's that like hopelessness at the end of the thing that it's like well this is the same thing that happened with those Norwegian dudes and it didn't stop the thing and in fact it had been buried in the ice for 100,000 years, we're told. So, even them trying to stop it doesn't stop it. It just delays the inevitable.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so, yeah, that, that hopelessness and that loss of will, or loss of free will, and that just inevitability. Yeah. Yeah. I I think also, uh, you know, it's important to look at how the the book of Revelation definitely influenced the misshapen monstrous creatures that we see yeah for sure like the ways that we see in uh the thing and in the mouth of madness these kind of incomprehensible Mm. creatures the thing being incomprehensible because it just doesn't understand like all to it it's just all random nonsense Mm -hmm. anyway
1: yeah and i i read that um they specifically wanted the thing to never be shown in the same uh uh they didn't. They never wanted the thing to present the same way in more than one right. scene. You know, it was yeah. always changing and always evolving. And that yes. kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier about like that n- lack of any self or or individuality of that. Right? Like it, it can't even land on one <laughs> form. Yes,
0: <laughs> and of course we see that in the Book of Revelation with you know the various different creatures described and how they'll have. You know, heads of this and the bodies of that and whatnot, and 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 that I think um, we don't see that in the Prince of Darkness, but there's no need because the Prince of Darkness is so overtly uh, scriptural mm-hmm. and, and like even has its own made up scripture that uh, that John Carpenter was just kind of free associating. Uh, and when you when you see it it's like yeah that does sound it very scriptural much
1: reads like right. it could be a mm-hmm. newly found book exactly. <laughs> of the bible yeah.
0: so uh, that that bit and then also just you know I, as we said this this overall end of things this this coming to a conclusion in and a conclusion that's scary a conclusion that's not going to be good for any anyone um so that's the ways in which i feel like carpenter's fulfilling like these fears that were instilled in him early on from hearing the book of revelation read i'm very interested though in the ways that the the nuclear bomb uh, mm. Can also be found in here because the thing itself um, it, it is in some ways representative of this, like nuclear uh, radiation and things. Like it, it, it has uh, been buried deep. Uh, it, it will exist for a long time. Its uh, its effect is inevitable and radiates outward. Uh, it, it is, it is. In a way, the way that it turns human bodies into these Cronenbergian, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like the way that uh, you know nuclear radiation affects bodies. Right. I think also when we look at the Prince of Darkness, I mean, you know, that, that capsule itself, uh, the the anti God is the the atomic bomb in in, yeah. in the bottom of in the basement there. Like that is the thing that when it goes off, we're all dead, uh, and. I think uh in the mouth of madness doesn't traffic much in that area, but the atomic bomb would be the book itself. the manuscript if it gets out, it kills everything
1: yeah and and I mean, that's what like what we see happen yeah, <laughs> in, it, exactly. that it starts with his agent and moves through and it, yes, and it, you it, know, it it
0: has that radiating effect, yeah, too, yeah. And I think that's all like super interesting that he was able to pull in his fears of nuclear like Holocaust, this like apocalyptic vision that, you know, was sold to kids throughout the 50s. Uh, Unfortunately, everybody had to go through uh, all this like propaganda about nuclear war and stuff and just. Kids being told, hey, duck and cover, mm-hmm. you know, with the atomic bomb drops, just duck and cover, you'll be okay. The way that he, you know, uh, introduces these things, uh, but it's, it, it it really is fear-focused. You can tell that he was young through the 50s. Like, he wasn't fully aware of what all that meant, mm-hmm. nuclear bombs and stuff, like, what all that meant meant wasn't fully seeping in but he was absorbing it through these 50s b movies so those plots and things get absorbed into here uh, but he's still putting in these like I, I feel like ideas of radiation and ideas of like bodies being uh contorted and destroyed mm-hmm. and, and whatnot by radioactive um you know uh energy and things like that I also want to talk about, as I said, the AIDS connection. Like that, you know, he and Kurt Russell saying that about the thing and seeing, like, you know, specifically the blood test and and all that. Like that that seemed really clear. And then in The Prince of Darkness, I mean, the the sharing of fluids mm-hmm. and whatnot, and and even beyond that, having. Uh, a character who many have, have read as as uh, potentially like uh, being like, hiding his, his gayness because mm-hmm. he is saying regularly things about being gay and then like he's hiding in the closet from two women who are trying to get at him, you know. Um, and then also there, there is a woman on woman kiss that is a, a, the transmission of this like possession. So there 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 is like there there are several reasons to connect this transmission with with HIV potentially. But when we get to In the Mouth of Madness, we're talking about nineteen ninety five, things are a lot more defined when we are talking about HIV and AIDS. Um and I, I feel like, you know, it, it is still in there because People are spreading mm-hmm. uh, Sutter Kane's message by, uh, you know, insisting their friends read the books, you know? Right. So it's still there. They're passing
1: it around yeah, to each other.
0: I, f- I feel like, yeah, like the the immediate danger that we see in the thing in Prince of Darkness is now less immediate. It's more of a a, a danger that... that Festers. It's a danger that rests and sits, and mm-hmm. and over time, uh, you know, uh, takes takes away your health and takes makes you start to look like sick. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of his like the the fans that come up to him or you know the the uh, the agent that attacks him, they all have like the kind of messed up skin and stuff. There's um,
1: something going on with their eyes, too. Yes. I think. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that, that I think is, is definitely like a, a, their loss of individuality. It's that Sutter Kane can see through their mm. eyes. Like he can use them as like a his own little puppet at any time. Uh, but, I, but I think that, like, though, those elements, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that now we're looking at HIV, AIDS as something that kills you over time, that causes this diminishing, like, health. Um, it, Is more reflective of what HIV HIV was starting to be by the mid 90s. So, like, there's still this throughout all three of them. This idea of a of an apocalypse through uh, spread through what one might call a contagion.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, virality. Uh, Yeah, yeah.
0: yes, and virality is is a good way to describe what we see in In the Mouth of Madness because it really is like Mm -hmm. uh, the the thing. Uh, the the book itself is is viral. It is it is spreading this uh, this much more deep and and in this case of virality, insidious message in seemingly pop pulp horror entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah I, I I think I think that like all three maintain several themes that. That you can you can tease out throughout, but we also saw like a whole lot of stuff that's th- just a lot of similarities. I mean, you know, the fact that there are a ton of crosses in the Prince of Darkness yeah. and in the Mouth of Madness. There's just a lot of crosses.
1: Yeah, that those visuals are so good and so eerie.
0: Yeah. Um, what were some of the other themes and th- uh, thematic elements that you saw throughout all three?
1: Um. I I feel like this is probably, like, pretty obvious, but I think just the one that m- impacts me the most, I guess, is just the utter lack of control or, yes. like, having control taken away from you. Um, I know that's something that uh, Carpenter talked about, a fear of his own uh, yeah. lack of control. And just like having been raised religious and mm-hmm. you know ha- like knowing all of the mm-hmm. revelation stories and all of that stuff and and having this constant argument of if people have free will or if god has right. just written our stories for us like that i guess for me in these movies is what stands out so much is that and throughout all of them the the main characters Ultimately, are not themselves, and that mm. that yeah sucks.
0: <laughs> it does. Like, that
1: sucks. That's such a scary thought. Yeah. And um, I
0: mean that that is. I mean, in the thing you hear uh, Wilford Brimley mumbling, we are not who we are. Yeah. And uh, also, Styles says in, in The Mouth of Madness, I'm losing me. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's just like that, like, that's kind of what I was trying to say earlier, is that, like, for, for some people, like, that's their their life, and that's what they live for, that idea. Yeah. And I, I just, I can't, understand a good world where humanity doesn't exist.
0: Well yeah, that that is I mean that's very much the ideal Christian, right? You you're allowing god to mm-hmm. work through you you're allowing god the,
1: to write your destiny right, right all yeah.
0: right and if the ultimate christian would be one who who is guided entirely by the spirit mm-hmm. of the holy spirit yeah
1: and like the assimilation thing too like in the thing you know is is very much a theme of m- many militant religious Absolutely. people that you are you don't ha- get to have a personality mm-hmm. because you're supposed to be exactly like Christ <laughs> and yes. so and so you you can't like things of uh, on, of your own accord because right you are constantly having to ask yourself, am I doing what God wants me to do? Mm. Which even, even in, you know, if we're discussing the, do the mechanics of if we have free will or not, like it, that ultimately does take away that person's free will, whether they it right. in, in, have an innate free will or not, they are choosing to give that up. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I, I think that's definitely, you know, part of what's going on here so, is this is largely you know uh carpenter is is very often critiquing uh, either uh uh capitalists conservatives or uh religious people <laughs> right so like in the in these three we get all of it i, I feel like i mean uh in the mathman is a huge uh you know uh Dealing largely with with capitalism, as this is a widespread, like the 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 evil message continues to get spread no matter what because it makes money
1: mm, like yeah they're consuming it right they're, yeah they are, yeah like voraciously consuming these books right. that are poisoning them. yeah
0: which i mean carpenter obviously is does not believe horror turns you into no. a bad person <laughs> so <laughs> that's not, not what he's getting at no. there he's definitely getting at this like uh yeah, consumerist drive and the the fact that if, if capitalism found the thing that would destroy the earth they'd still sell it if it made money mm-hmm. like it, it wouldn't matter uh yeah we we also see you know in uh the thing and the prince of darkness i mean the, these are reagan years um, he's he's dealing very much with reagan i mean eight, uh, 88 was they live uh, and that is very just like anti-yuppie, mm. anti-establishment, anti, like, anti-conformity uh, film. And, and uh, The Thing can be seen very much as this anti-conformity film. Mm. Like the thing they're trying to avoid doing is becoming uh, just ex- the exterior of themselves with nothing on the interior. They're trying to avoid that conformity, trying to avoid being, you know, you know, just lumped in mm-hmm. with a all, cog
1: in the machine. Yeah. yeah. L-
0: yes, very much. So, like, I, I, I think that we can we can see so much of, of what Carpenter is doing in all of his other films throughout the Apocalypse trilogy. But, like, specifically why he's dealing with those in these movies I feel like is is pretty obvious because uh, the 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 Reaganist conservatives uh, uh, the the yuppies who were willing to sell out anything they're a death cult. They they are leading to the absolute end and destruction of the planet and humanity. Like right. they all of these things that he's dealing with in all of his films, he's dealing with in these specifically because that that fear is being realized in the real world that fear of us losing our individuality and beyond that losing humanity entirely because of whatever thing it is i mean reagan specifically i mean he as i said carpenters dealing with aids throughout reagan specifically just allowed aids to run take rampant. hold and run rampant <laughs> yeah. yeah like the the fact that uh, in in all three of these movies he is very much dealing with Reagan is still is still true. Even in 95, we could say he's still very much dealing with with the effects Mm -hmm. of of Ronald Reagan. Yeah, the aftermath of that presidency and those economic policies and things like that. So like, I, I I don't know. I, I, I have said before on Dead and Lovely that John Carpenter is absolutely, you know, one of my favorite directors of all time. Mm-hmm. He's way up there. The guy, he, he, I, I, I very much appreciate the ways in which, in all three of these movies, he's able to explore all these things. But the movies are just great movies. Yeah, like
1: they're just fun. And if you're not looking deeply into them, you're still going to be completely just treated with. You know, a gorgeous display of of, of, um, a master, you know. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, um, I am am glad that we got through this first episode. I, I will admit to you, dear listener, that I have been anxious. I have had so much trouble putting this all together and that is why there was such a large gap between the first three episodes that were originally released in this is honestly i am just a ball of anxiety and i needed a co-host to make this possible and even then as anna can attest i have been a ball of anxiety so well, I, I truly hope that this episode I mean, is interesting i
1: had fun listening to you okay. so <laughs>
0: um we we are gonna follow this up over on the patreon with uh john carpenter's cigarette burns which is a masters of horror episode and uh carpenter himself has said that he feels like that is uh additional material Mm -hmm. in the apocalypse trilogy so i i highly recommend it's on tubi So you can watch it for free with with ads. Go check it out. We are going to be talking about it on the Patreon. So head on over if you want to hear our uh, bonus features episodes where we do some supplementary material uh, uh, that relates to the main topic of the month. Uh, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash legacy of brutality. Become a patron. You'll get uh, an episode a week uh, where we will be adding some supplementary material to, to the main episode. So well worth your time, I believe.
1: Yeah. And also go follow us on the social medias. We have an Instagram page that is Mm -hmm. legacy of brutality pod. And we also have a blue sky account that is legacy of brutality. That's right. And we would love to connect with you guys all over there.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, head on over to those things and thank you for listening to the second first episode (laughs) of Legacy of Brutality. We'll see you next month. Uh, I have been Hollywood Steve.
1: And I'm Anna Martin. and And we're your friends till the end.
0: That's right. Love
1: you. Bye. Bye.